Ephesians 4, verse 32. Here we go. It says, and be kind. Now, who's he writing to? Christians. Be kind. What is the first, one of the first things that when you read 1 Corinthians 13, says love is patient, love is kind. Most people know those verses. One of the great hallmarks of, fa- of, of love is kindness. And so he said here, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted. And he's writing to Christians to be tender-hearted to others. Interesting that he would have to say, don't have a ill will towards somebody else. Be tender-hearted. Notice this, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Our example of how we are to forgive is to look at how God did it and then do it just like God did it. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? The Bible commands us to do things in similar fashion as God did them. Right? I mean, it's the truth. I mean, the disciples repeated what Jesus did in so many fashions. Here he said, what we need to do is be tenderhearted, be kind, and forgive one another even as God. Even as God. You could say it like this, just like God did, you do it. Just like God did, I'm to do it. That's, that's, I mean, think that's pretty interesting, isn't it, to, to just say that, that I have to forgive like God forgives. But remember this, he's writing to people who are his children. He's not writing to the world and saying, hey, you guys that are out here protesting and acting crazy, forgive. Be kind. I tempered my words right there. No, because some of them are full of the devil. See, I, this is pretty nice, wasn't I? And um, regardless, the Bible said, be kind, forgive, even as God. That's strong. Just like God, forgive. He forgives quickly, doesn't he? He releases quickly and completely. He doesn't go like this, all right, I'm going to forgive you of this stuff you guys did, but I'm going to remind you next week. And, you know, every time, I'm just going to keep bringing it. I'm, I, okay, yeah, I forgave you, but, you know, remember last week? Remember yesterday? You've done this 12 times already. Let's just keep reading. (laughs) Even as God. Aren't you glad? He doesn't do that to us. He doesn't. When we're condemned and we've said, Lord, forgive me, That is not God. That's the accuser of the brother, and the Bible said that's the devil. That's one of the things you are not to give place to in your life. You're to resist that. 
and go, no, this is not of God. The minute I asked, he forgave me completely and quickly. You know, I know when I first got saved, I had wrong ideas about this, and I'd do something wrong that, that probably wasn't that bad. And I'd go, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray for a couple of days and fast for a day. That's totally wrong thinking. I'm going to show you I mean business. And I was just holding myself under condemnation, and the enemy was helping because of my zeal toward God, but not according to knowledge. And so here he said we are to forgive even as he did, so he does it quickly and completely. Ready? Verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Who are you going to imitate many times in life? Your parents. There are characteristics of our parents, whether we fully take them on or parts that we have. Whether we like them or not, whether they're right or wrong, we get around them and there are characteristics we take on. Quirks and different things like that. But how many of you know if, you know, you've heard of this before, you know, there's like twins or something and they were separated at birth. And one ended up somewhere else. And uh, they come back together. And they don't have maybe the same, same qualities because they were brought up around a different parent. But they're of the same stock, so to speak. And we're all of the same stock. But when he said, be imitators of God as, as, as dear children... What was the context before? And then what does it say in the next verse? And walk in love. As Christ also loved us and has given himself for us a sweet-smelling aroma. In other words, he was, that would have been kind of in the picture of a sacrifice in the Old Testament. But, so what's he, what does he say? Forgive like God forgives. And then he said, imitate him about this area. Then he goes on and he shares that Jesus walked in love and lived a sacrificial life unto the Father and obeyed him all the time. And that was his act of love toward God. And he said, imitate him. Imitate God. Because we know Jesus was God in the flesh. And he commands us to imitate our Father. Imitate our Father. Well, here's an interesting thing. There is the command here of imitating. And sometimes we can read stuff and we go, oh yeah, I got to do that. And have you ever noticed you see something really good in the Bible and you're like, okay, today life will be different. I'll never do that again. I saw this in the Bible. I'm doing this again. You leave and you're on top of the world. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, yeah, everybody's going to notice a huge difference. And by about the end of lunch, you're back to where you were. Anybody ever had that happen? I'll never do that again, Lord. Day later, you're doing it. There is an element of imitating because you see and know and you do it. 
There is another way to imitate, though. I've seen when people hang around people, they don't always consciously imitate, but they start picking up words. I remember my mom never used this one word. It wasn't a bad word. And it was actually an area of grammar that, and don't look at me as a grammar coach <clears throat> at all, because I'll be the first one in trouble probably. But I knew she, she started hanging around with these neighbors when I was younger. My mom and dad both did. And they would go over there like on Saturday nights or Friday nights or something, and they'd play cards. And, um, you know, not like they're like poker things with the little green visor. Don't picture that about my parents or whatever, you know. And, um, you know, not like that. They played like Pinochle or something like that. So they, they would play cards. And after a while of them hanging out, she started picking up words and phrases that lady used to use that were things she never were in her vocabulary before. But have you ever noticed when you get around something, it has an effect on you? Right? 1 Corinthians 15.33 said, evil company corrupts good habits or good manners. Does that mean somebody who... Uh, goes and hangs around is automatically doomed. No, but you get around it enough and that's just all you watch and that's all you see and that's all that's in front of your eyes. Then after a while, that is what is going to have an effect on you and all of a sudden you're going to start maybe acting a little different, saying things a little bit different. So when we're talking about imitating God, sure, we're talking about doing it by an act of your will. But there is something else about He is your Father, and one thing you should do if He's your Father, hang out with Him. Hang out with Him. I said hang out with Him. You know, I know this, when your relationship is good with God, you want to hang out with Him. When your relationship is good in life with God, you're better off with your parents. I've watched this over the years being a youth pastor. You watch kids who start doing stuff wrong and living a wrong kind of life, they start breaking off from their parents. When they get their lives right with God, they get endeared to their parents again. Now, I don't mean that's a universal thing, but it is a true statement many times. I know when I was living in the world, I didn't want to be around my parents. I didn't, you know, I talked to them as much or as whatever I had to. But once my life was set with God and it was going, I was going with God, certain relationships changed. I cut off those other people. I started talking to them, hanging out with them more and just hanging out. But the whole thing is, is if our relationship is right with God, there should be an element where I just hang out with Him. I talk with Him. I want to be around Him. And if evil company corrupts good habits, then good habits can be, uh, or bad habits can be corrupted by good company. You with me? D didn't the Bible teach us that? You are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill. We're a preserving factor to the world. 
when, when the gospel light leaves or you get a bunch of people there that don't cuss and don't carry on, others will change for you. But when there's less, then there's less preserving power. But does that mean we're just trying to command people, don't do this, don't do that? You know, I worked in construction for years and years, and, uh, and it was interesting. You know, I would go into Home Depot occasionally, and you never, or at least I didn't, and, you know, see this, you didn't hear the employees cussing. Now you can go into Home Depot and their employees just cuss like you just like, oh, yeah, blank in the, you know, oh, yeah. And I think now they may not do it to everybody, but I think if they think you're like whatever, okay, they'll cuss. I've, ha- I've said it before. I said, I don't, I, I don't cuss. I, don't, I said, I don't talk like that. Am I mad at them? No, but why do you get to act like that? I mean, I, when I worked in construction, there were guys that worked underneath me that wanted to play their radios. I said, no. I said, I'm the boss. There's no radios. And they said, well, well, how come? I said, well, I'm the boss. I said, I can get my radio. You want me to play what I would play? And they're all, that's cool. No radios. <laughs> they didn't want to hear a sermon. They didn't want to hear a Christian song. But have you ever had a song stick in your head that you never heard? No. But the songs you have heard can stick in your head. And so God wants things to stick in our head, especially if you're saved, because we've already seen this. You were created new unto good works to do good things and to walk with God. And so to be an imitator of God, you have to see Him. You have to know Him. To imitate somebody, I mean, when it's talking about an imitator or a follower here, he's not talking in a negative sense like when kids do the thing they do where one person says something, they say it to irritate them back. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here is in a positive way, and he's saying, be an imitator of God as dear children. Well, if I'm estranged from my parents, how can I duplicate and begin to walk like they walk. And it's interesting that my Lord is mentioned here and my Father is mentioned here. The Savior of my life and the God who sent Him, who is now my Father because I'm in Christ and I'm saved. It's interesting if we recognize in the Bible different things because what we hang around with and especially because God is powerful, there can be a real change and a real influence if, if we'll take time with him just to, just to hang out with him. We'll, we'll start seeing through his eyes. And that doesn't mean immediately there's going to be just gigantic change in your life. Now, when you get saved, you might notice big, huge change. But the fact of the matter is there is a progression or a transformation for those who will hang out with God. And there are qualities that will come out of you because you've been hanging around with him. Right? Acts, the fourth chapter. Acts 4. These people were not saved. These people were not walking with God. But they got to look at some people who had spent 
three and a half years with the Lord. And then now the Lord's dead, risen, in heaven. Now they've been going at it for a few years now. And Acts 4, verse 14, actually 13. Well, let's go back to verse 12. Peter's preaching he said, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So he is standing up when people are saying, don't stand up, don't do certain things. In other words, he is just going for it even in a time of opposition. He's not just being rude. He's just doing what the Lord told him to do. And it's interesting what he, that they said. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, when they saw that they were confident and bold to make a stand for God, it said, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. So they didn't have all the qualifications of maybe somebody who should be confident and somebody who should be bold and somebody who should be a certain way. But notice it goes on to say, and they marveled and they perceived or realized that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus and it changed their actions. Jesus was bold. Jesus was confident. He would stand up for the things of God and do it in front of religious people, do it in front of people who were for him or against him. He wasn't mean, but he was straightforward. And they had seen how Jesus operated, seen how he had acted. Now Jesus has died and risen. They're now saved and filled with the Spirit, and they're now acting like he did. And the conclusion of the world was, these guys have hung out so much with him, that they're taking on his characteristics, you could say it like this, they're imitating him. Was it just a, on purpose, or was it that they were bringing what they had been influenced by? And they had been so influenced by it that they were bringing something that was super noticeable to all of them. I mean, if, if I had like a piece of metal... And I heated it with a torch, just ran it over a couple times, went like this. You guys go, okay, he got that hot. But if I got a torch and set it on there and just left it on there, that thing would get, it'd start to turn black and stuff like that. And if you got near it, you'd sense something radiating off of it. But, you know, if you just left it there and got it underneath that influence enough, then you think about it, we all know the picture you get. It will start glowing turning red. Well, when it turns red, if you get it near you, I mean, I was watching where they somehow they, I don't know why they do stuff like this, spent a lot of money. They, the city in Europe or somewhere over there that made the anchor to the Titanic, the original one, they were commissioned to make a duplicate to set in the town square. That was their claim to fame. Cool. An anchor. But this anchor is huge. 
And they had to get loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of steel hot. I mean, until it was not just red, until it is boiling. And they have these huge cranes to just pour this stuff in. But it took work to get it from red to liquid. When it got liquid, it was able to take on a different shape. I'm telling you, the Bible said our God is a consuming fire. The Bible said that God and Jesus now lives and dwells in inapproachable light. And there is such power in God that if people would do some of the basic things and just hang out with him enough and get there, because I'll tell you what, it might not be comfortable at first because you're used to not doing it, but then there can be a transfer into your life and the ultimate transfer doesn't just happen immediately. It's through a progression of spending time with God and then you leave there and you're warm like a piece of metal. But you keep going back there and you can get hotter, so to speak, and hotter. And the Bible tells us to be fervent in spirit serving the Lord. What does that mean? It literally means to be white hot. So if he said be that, then that means you may not be that. Because he commanded us to be that as believers in Romans. So how do I get fervent? How do I get white hot? God lives in me. God's power lives in me. He never leaves me. He's always with me and he's always in me. But could people live like he's not with them? Like they don't have strength? Like God is not there? I'm talking about the born-again Christian who's received the Lord. He said, I'll never leave you. So to, and you can tell people don't understand that because they'll say, Lord, be with me today. He ain't going nowhere. You don't even have to say that. No, the disciples said, okay, Lord, we're about to get out there. Well, just come, come with us. No, they knew that they now were the temple of the living God. And they weren't, you know, dragging the Lord places. He was going with them and in them. You know, you, you've seen that old footprints in the sand thing, you know, that old saying, you know. And it says, you know, it's real sentimental. You can tell I like it. And it has, a, you know, the two things as it's a beach scene and there's like a set of prints and there's only two and they're like, you know, they started out four and then the Lord carried me, you know, the footprints in the sand. But then there's a cartoon version of it that says, you know, whether well, see the two footsteps, he said, that's when I carried you. Then, then there's two footsteps and a couple of drag marks, you know, lines in the sand. He said, oh, that's when I dragged you. Well, whatever, but listen, we're not that weak and emaciated, and he doesn't have to drag us. He's in us. But the whole thing is, is has he had opportunity to rise up? Have we fellowshiped with God? And allowed him to work from the inside out. So that when we're with him, he is able to do something. I mean, if you were going to bake a cake, I mean, you were going to bake a cake. And you preheat the oven, right? Ladies should be saying amen to help the men 
or the men who know how to cook should be, amen, you pre, you don't, uh, okay, let me ask, do you just take and make all the cake batter and get it poured in the bowl, put it in the oven and turn it on? No, you preheat it. The condition of the oven is one thing, and now you want what you've made to come under the influence of it, because when it comes under the influence of it, in three seconds it's done, right? No. Have you ever thought, oh, I'm ready? Oh, and you pull it out, and you're like, got to go back. You pull it out. You ever done that? Oh, it's got to be ready. Look, it looks ready. And you pull it out. I know, because Jeremy's like, I tried that the other day with lasagna. He had a bad report when I saw him. So I tried this, and he was telling Pastor, and he was real kind, it don't work, and you got to do it, and then take it out, and put it back in for 20 minutes, and I pulled it out, and put it back in, said it was this. He did it like three times. But see, people are doing that with their walk with God, probably. Oh, yeah, I'm going to spend time with God. They sit five minutes with him and pull it out. It ain't done. It ain't what I want. This don't work. Yes, it does. Works every time. So we got people running around trying to do all kinds of things except for the basic elements of the Christian walk, and then they miss it. Then they need something new, something fat. God is doing a new thing. He's accelerating the work in the earth. No, he's not. We, we get the discounted version. We don't have to do as much nowadays. But everybody else? Well, if that's the case, here's the thing. All the things that I'm hearing that are becoming popular right now, I heard 30 years ago. There's a Joshua generation that's rising up, and the young ones are going to take us in. Well, the young ones 30 years ago who said that didn't happen, and then God's accelerating the work. It's interesting he accelerated back then, and nothing happened. Now that he's doing it again, nothing's going to happen. When something happens, it's because when people cooperate with God and do the things that are already there. You with me? And so we can see these things in the Bible. We see it here where they were around the Lord. And, and then they didn't have to go, I'm just telling you right now, the Lord's here and he's really doing something. Everybody, whoo, it's exciting. Come on now. Hey, if he's doing something, you're going to know. If you're sitting in an oven, you're going to learn real quick if it was preheated or not. And if it's preheated and you jumped in there, you're going to know. And if you sit there long enough, you'll bake. And God is the one who does not change. And if you will do it the way the Bible said it, it will have an influence on you. And then you can have cookies. Or as they say, you can have your cake and eat it too. Some people haven't been able to eat their cake. You know, it's all dough. But the whole thing is, is, is there something to this that does it make for good imitating when you hang out with God enough? It helped them to have boldness, confidence. It even helped them to do the will of God when there was opposition. So an imitator can be one who just sees the truth and does it because we know to forgive and or I can be one who hangs out with the truth, hangs out in the word, allows him to teach me. I spend time in prayer. I spend time worshiping God and meditating on his truths. I'm too busy. Well, then you're too busy for this. Hmm. 
Man, there's people, if you would just monitor your life, that, that there, there's downtime. Whether you're driving from here to there. Whether it's time getting up in the morning. Yeah, I just that's, that's the time I like to read the paper. Well, maybe you should get rid of the, the thing on the internet and spend it with the Lord. Well, how would I know what's going on in the world? Um, there's a lot of bad going on. I'll just keep you updated. <laughs> the Bible said when the last days come, evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse, be deceived and being deceived, and so that's just how it's going to be from now on. That'll save you a lot of time reading these articles. <laughs> that's right out of the Bible. 1 Timothy 4.15, Paul admonished this young ministry. He said, give yourself entirely to these things that your progress may become evident to all. When we give ourselves to things, it affects us, and then others can recognize. That's what happened with the early disciples there. Turn to Isaiah 41. This is probably a real familiar verse to people, but it actually has this principle in it. Isaiah 41. So if I'm going to spend time with the Lord... And if I will be diligent to do it, how many of you know a cake doesn't cook instantly? But over a period of time, it will. And the Christian needs time with the Lord. Not just one time today, but just a real, some real good habits of daily time with God. I'm not going to say two hours or four hours or one hour or a half hour. I'm just saying people need to start hanging out with the Lord. Isn't it amazing when your passion grows for something or someone, you find time for it? Isn't that the truth? I mean, I like to hike because I like to get some exercise, but I go, you know, places... Um, that are pretty, hey, and I go in the dark, and I go by myself at night. Somebody said, oh, you shouldn't do that. Well, praise the Lord. Let's just read over here. Thank God I've been coming under the influence of reading love scriptures, so I'll just leave that where it is. And so, uh, <clears throat> praise the Lord. Well, the fact of the matter is this. I'm going to keep doing it what, regardless. So that's just that. And uh, because I like it, and I'm just going to do it. If you want to come with me, then I won't be doing it by myself. There you go. But you may have to do it in the dark late at night. But here's the thing. What you like, you find time for. Here's something about the will of God. You have to in your own life. This is just something, I don't care who you are, you have to incorporate in your own life. You have to adopt this in your thinking. Quit making up what you think is best and what the will of God is and what you design and what you desire and what you think is good and right apart from the Lord. People get in trouble with that. Oh, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I need to do. 
And what happens is they adopt ways, ideas, love for things, and it may not be God's design. And they'll hold to it when they shouldn't be holding to it. Because we can love things that God doesn't love. So what we need to do is adopt this mentality. Whatever God wants, that's what I want. Period. Whatever he wants, that's what I want. It'll help you. You with me? Isaiah 40, verse 31. So if you're still bothered about me hiking at night, like I said in places, sign up for a hiking trip. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who, let's back up. Verse um, 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? In other words, he, these, these guys and these people were saying, the Lord doesn't recognize what I'm doing. He doesn't recognize where I'm at. He doesn't recognize any of this. Notice this, he said, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. He said, you're not hearing me, God. We're needing some stuff, and you're not hearing I've called out to you, and you're not responding to me. Well, when you read on, you'll find out they were going, God, we need strength, we need wisdom, we need vitality in this walk, in, in this life with you. Notice this, verse 30, 28. Have you not known? So God responds, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable, and he gives power to the weak. Because they're like, man, we're weak. We need help. But notice, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. In other words, the ones that are all in good shape, he said, in this walk, they could get weary and faint. He said, and the young man shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord. In other words, he's talking about people who would take some time to spend with him. He said, shall renew, or literally that word means change. Their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Understand this. If you will take time to spend time with God... He's got everything you need. And there will be a change of strength. You'll notice his working, his wisdom, his ability start getting off on you. And in time, others will notice it. Let's close here in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. I believe we're going to close here. And anyway, let's just turn to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. But I know this, his characteristics can wear off on you, and they do work. I know this, my life is not where it was, but it's going somewhere. And if I will do these things, you know, obviously the first step is somebody surrendering their life to Jesus. But once you give your life to Jesus, you have to live a surrendered life. What do I mean by that? Just not doing my way, but doing what it takes to walk with him in this earth, then my whole life will be influenced by him. No matter how I work and how I treat people at work, 
to characteristics, you know, when the boss says, hey, it's okay to steal or to, to take that or to do this under the, you know, and do it this way. You say, no, I, I can't do that. Well, why? Everybody else does it. Somebody that I had do some work for me said, can you do this and pay me this way? I said, no, I'll pay you this way. And I had him back to do some more work. He didn't even ask. He just said, okay, here you go. Here's this and this. It's not me being mean, but I would be the one bothered when I left. You with me? Where does that stuff come from? It comes because we get a new nature when we get saved spiritually. But our makeup of our mind and all that stuff we adopted from our old parents, now we got a new parent. We got a new Lord. We got a new Savior. And we need to be influenced. I'm going to read this actually, I believe, from a different translation. I won't even read it. 2 Corinthians, I'm not going to read it from the New King James. I'm going to read it from the Good News Bible. 2 Corinthians 3, 14 through 18. See, God wants us to be imitators. You with me? Of him. It says, their minds indeed were closed to the very day, till this very, till this very day their minds are covered. What he's talking about is people who were Jewish, who didn't accept, the, or, you know, of Israel, who didn't accept the Lord. It says their minds were closed to him. And it has to do with Moses and them not accepting things, but anyway, we'll keep reading. It says, with the, uh, it says their minds are covered with the same veil as they read the books of the Old Covenant. Now, what he's saying is this. Before somebody is saved, just like when Moses got the commandments from God, the people, when he came down, he had been spending time with God so much. And it's a picture of spending time with Jesus because it said he stood on the rock and he was in the rock and then God passed by. The Bible calls Jesus our rock. So it's a picture of Moses when he was up on that mountain. He said, I want to see you, God. He said, you can't see my face. But he was hearing from God, and he was up there hearing, and he got commandments from God, and he came down, and it said he didn't know, but he had been up there day after day after day after day after day, and it said he came down, and his whole face was glowing. The glory of God and the power of God that was on God transferred into him. And this whole set of passage of Scripture said that glory he had was passing. Ours is better. Somebody said, well, I haven't seen it like that. Well, they did in the book of Acts. Maybe it's just because we, as ministers, haven't done what we should do. Maybe we're getting closer. I'm just being honest. Because why try to take and twist the Bible you know, I've, I've tried to do that when I was younger with puzzle pieces. You ever try and twist them and make them fit because you're close to done and they don't work and you're like, this has to fit. No, we, we can't. I mean, it's either this way or it's not this way. And if we haven't hit the mark, we just haven't hit the mark. We just need to do what it takes to get to the mark. And so here... He's talking about Moses and this power and this glory and how he'd get these commandments and then he'd come down and the people didn't want the glory of God so they'd put a veil over his face. They didn't mind hearing the, the truths, but they didn't want it full of life, full of power, full of glory where God would affect them too. 
And so that's the context of this. And so it says, and so the veil is removed only when they still read with a veil. In other words, they're separated from the glory. It says the glory is removed only when a person is joined to Christ. In other words, you can be transformed. You can get before God, and he can have a transforming effect on you when you read the word and when you spend time with him. And he said it's removed in Christ. Even today, though, whenever uh, they, those same people, read the law of Moses, the veil co- it still covers their minds. But it can be removed. And we know when someone gives their life to Christ. As the scripture says about Moses, his veil was removed when he turned to the Lord. You know, it's interesting. Moses would get out in front of the people, the ones that didn't want it. And even though the glory of God was on him, he would go back into God's presence. And he was still affected by God's power and glory. But do you know when he got back into God's presence, he got to remove the veil. And that glory would affect him. Then to those people who didn't want it, he'd go back out and he'd read to them and tell them the stuff, but the veil was there. Think of what they were missing and what he was getting and what he had. So he'd go back into God's presence and go back up there and spend time, and they could see the smoke and the, the, all the lightning and thunder up on the mountain. And then he, he would come back down out of that, and he, that glory and power is there, but they had so refused, they only wanted it natural, so he'd have to put the veil back on. He'd still make pronouncements of truth and and the word and different things like that, but they weren't experiencing God's glory that transforms. And then he'd go back up there and take that veil off and he'd get saturated himself. That's what they're teaching. And he's saying, we have this opportunity to be transformed if we'll look into his word now that we're in Christ and we'll take time and spend it with him. We can be imitators because of the influence we're under. Right? You smell like so-and-so. Oh, I don't use that perfume. I don't use that cologne. I gave him a hug at the door. And so it says, his veil was removed when he turned to the Lord. Now the Lord uh, is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is present, there is freedom. All of us then reflect the glory of the Lord with unveiled faces. And they, and I'm sorry, and that same glory coming from the Lord, who is the Spirit, transforms us into His likeness in an ever greater degree of glory. Some talk about in a progressive thing. So what's he saying? If we do this right, to be an imitator, it's a progressive thing. We may not always hit the mark, But if we'll just do what we need to do day after day, and what if we miss a day? Oh, well, then that's it. You might as well just give up. No, keep after it. Get back up. Well, I've already missed three or four or five days. Well, praise the Lord, because then you're really going to notice the change as you continue on. Yeah, I haven't done this at all in my life, and I've been saved for years. Well, praise the Lord. Now you're going to see something. And not only are you going to see something, others are going to begin to see something. It's a progressive thing. I said it's a progressive thing, and it's a good thing. Don't you ever read the Bible and dream and think, wow, that'd be awesome. Oh, that would be awesome. Oh, that would be awesome. And the, but then the Bible writes it so it can be awesome. 